in some ways, it's a, it, it's definitely a lot more complicated than it was, you know, in the 1970s and 1980s um, when communication was a lot more simple. But in other ways, it's so much, we've got so many more advantages now because we can use all of this technology if we have a presence there to listen and to listen to what people are wanting from us so that we can provide a better experience for them. Hi, welcome to the Tarun Stevenson Leadership Channel. I'm your host, Tarun Stevenson, and we are all about helping you lead, communicate, and grow to your full potential. Whether you're tuning in on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite podcasting app, don't forget to subscribe and follow so that you can stay up to date with all our latest episodes. All right, here's the latest episode. Let's get into it. Well, hey, everybody. I'm here with Mel Kettle, and she's a leadership and communication expert. And it's so good to talk to someone in Australia who's on my time zone I'm so often getting up early in the morning having to talk to the other side of the world welcome to the show Mel oh thanks so much Taryn not only am I in your time zone I used to just be a few kilometers up the road I know well, and now you're and in I'm still kind of am, but well you're not far but I mean I envy you Caloundra is beautiful down by the beach there and uh, that's a favorite spot of my family to go on our breaks as well so great to have yeah, you yeah thanks why don't you tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and um, just give us some background of how you got to where you are. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, I'm a communications consultant, and I work primarily with senior leaders and their teams, senior exec teams, um, and sometimes broader organisations to help them understand how to communicate better using with clarity, with compassion, and with consistency, so that they can create sustained um, engagement, real connection, and sustained engagement. And I got, I've worked in that space for a really long time. Um, I guess the first time I realised communication was so critical was when I was a phenomenally shy and introverted 17-year-old and desperate to be accepted onto the Rotary Youth Exchange program. And I had to shove myself so far out of my comfort zone. I practically pushed myself to Canada, which is where I ended up going, um, by realising that I needed to come out of my shell and communicate and talk and show my true personality in ways that were, um, in ways that were meaningful to people. And so I've been on that path ever since. I love it. Now, communication is such a vital tool for effective leadership or just effective relationships in general. Why don't you give us a little bit of a definition of effective communication from your perspective? Oh, look, I, um, I can give you a good example of what it's not. I was chatting okay. to someone the other day and he said to me, I've communicated with all these people about this thing that we are doing together. And he said, and no one's responded to me. And I'm like, you've communicated and they haven't responded. How does that work? And what all he'd done was email people. And so I gently reminded him that email is not communication. Email is broadcasting to the person who's receiving it. And communication isn't really communication unless the other person or people um, receive the message and respond in the way that you it, respond in some way, whether it's the yeah. way you want them to or some other way. Um, but communication is a two-way medium. Mm. Somebody has to put the stuff out and somebody has to receive the stuff. So <laughs> whether it's an email, whether it's a tweet, whether it's a social media post, it's only broadcasting and which is like that one-way thing um, mm. if the other person doesn't get it. 
And so it's like when you think about it, it's terms of TV broadcasting. TV channels now go 24-7, but they're only communicating with you once you turn it on and listen and watch. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a book by leadership expert John Maxwell, Everyone Communicates But Few Connect. And in that, he talks about the art of connecting with your audience and how that responsibility is with the communicator. And so often as leaders, what we, if somebody fails to understand us, we think it's their fault or their problem. Yet really what you're saying is we need to go back to the way in which we've communicated and ask the question, am I actually communicating in a way that connects with my audience? You need to go back to the way that you sent the message out. Mm. You know, Mm. did you send it by carrier pigeon? Did you send it by email? (laughs) Did you pick up the phone? Did you leave a message? Like my, um, one of the things that I intensely dislike more than anything in the world is voicemail. And I never listen to it and I very rarely leave them. So my voice, my, my voicemail message when people call me and don't get me says, yeah. please do not leave me a voicemail because yeah. I will not listen to it. Um, send me a text <laughs> or send me an email. And yeah. the number of people who still leave me voicemails they just do. astounds me. And then, you know, they'll call again and again and again. And, mm. you know, if it's an unlisted number or an unknown number or I'm doing something, I'm not going to answer it all the time yeah and yet they they're like oh you never got back to me I'm like because I never got your message yeah so you've got to really think through what is it you're doing how important is it that you want that message to get to the other person Mm -hmm. and what is it that you're going to do to ensure that they get it yeah and leaving a voicemail or sending an email is usually not going to be enough so let's talk about that because I, I share your dislike of voicemail. I have it out of, I guess, necessity more than because I'm going to listen to them very often. But um, my preferred mode of communicating is text message. Um, I'll phone if I have to, but I like to be brief and to the point. Uh, but everybody has a different preferred mode of communication. So how as leaders do we... I guess, decipher the different modes and make sure that we're communicating in a way that everybody is receiving the message without overkill. So the easiest way is to ask. So whenever Mm. I get a new client, I say to them, how would you like me to communicate with you? And if my clients leave me voicemails, I will listen to them because that is their preferred way of communicating. Um, Anybody else? Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) but you've you've got to go to the effort as the leader you've got to go to the effort to find out how do people in your world like to be communicated with so how does your ea like to be communicated with Mm. how does your exec team like to be communicated with how do your broader staff like to be communicated with and obviously you, it, it can be really difficult to have a one-size-fits-all and to please mm. everyone. But you should know at least, you know, the people who are those inner circle that you have a strong relationship with and that you mostly need to influence, mm. you've got to get that right. Because if you don't get that right, you're not going to influence them. Um, so, you know, the people you need to focus on the most, I believe, as a leader in the initial getting it right is your exec assistant um probably your your wife or husband or life partner mm. uh, and your executive and your direct reports mm. and then the others 
yes, you need to be in the places where they're at, but it's not quite as critical to get all of them right all of the time. Yeah, right. So, okay, so let's talk about that inner circle, if you like, the people that you have to really get it right with. Um, I've worked with leaders who will say, it's not my job to, to use the mode that you prefer. It's your job to use the mode of communication that I prefer. So a lot of leaders will say, I want to use Facebook Messenger. And so everybody has to use Facebook Messenger. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that it's really incumbent on the leader to learn the modes of communication of their team or the other way around? Yeah, I think it's incumbent on the leader. You're the leader. If you're not listening to your people and communicating with them in the way that they want to be communicated with, can you rightfully call yourself the leader? Okay, we'll because unpack leaders, that a little bit more. Leaders need to be in service to the people they lead. And so a really strong, clear way of being in service is to listen. And if you're the people that you're leading are saying to you, we don't like Facebook Messenger, we would like to be communicated with in this particular way or do whatever this particular thing is, you need to listen. You still yeah. might end yeah. up using Facebook Messenger, but you have a conversation about why that's important to you to use that channel. Mm. So, yeah. you know, you, as a leader, you, you know, you're, you are the one in charge, so to speak, but at the end of the day, it's the other people who you're leading, who have influence in a lot of cases as to whether you're going to stay in that job. Because if they don't perform, then you're out. If they don't fulfill the requirements of their roles in a, you know, large way, then often you'll be out. Mm -hmm. If you're a leader in a public organization or in government or in, um, if you came across your leadership role through an election or through, Mm -hmm. Um, a board appointing you, then they've got the authority and the the influence and the power to boot you out of that leadership role. Mm. So wouldn't you want as leader to do everything within your power to listen to your people so that you can stay in that role if that's what you yeah, want? For sure. So what about the broader context when you have to communicate? Let's say you're in a leadership position where you have a, a larger group of people that you communicate with that are not necessarily in your inner circle, but you need to disseminate information to. So in my context, I lead a church. And yeah. so I have my staff that I communicate with. I have my board that I communicate with. And I also have my congregants. Now, uh, everybody has a different preferred method. You know, my older congregants prefer a phone call. Uh, yeah. My middle-aged congregants prefer a text message or an email. And some of the younger ones, they prefer to be on Facebook or, you know, Snapchat or something like that. And is there a place where you say, okay, I've just got to pick one mode of communication because it just gets too complex if you're trying to cater for every style of, uh, I guess, mode of communication in today's world, we've got so many options available to us. I think you really need to think through who is my audience who do I need to communicate with? Who do I need to influence? Who do I, who needs to hear my message? And then you need to break it down into different segments, which it sounds like you've done. You've got your younger congregants, you've got your, um, you know, those in their 30s and 40s, you've got the 50s and 60s, and then you've got the older. And they all like different things. And it sounds like you know what they like. So sometimes you just need to say, okay, we need to disseminate that message in multiple different formats. And we need to 
accept the fact that communication today is complicated and it's ever-changing and it's not just an, a bulletin that goes up on the church notice board with mm. a copy on the seats or at the front of the church for people to take on their way out. Yeah. We now have um, phone trees and we have we have technology that allows us to send broadcast text messages for things that are important. We've got communicate, we've got technology that allows us to be online on Facebook, on TikTok, on, on Snapchat, on Instagram. Um, and we've got technology that allows us to schedule content onto those channels, some of those channels, so that that saves time. But we've also got technology so that we can listen to see what people on those channels are saying about us, to about our competitors and to us. Mm. So in some ways, it's, a, it, it's definitely a lot more complicated than it was, you know, in the 1970s and 1980s um, when communication was a lot more simple. But in other ways, it's so much, we've got so many more advantages now because we can use all of this technology if we have a presence there to listen and to listen to what people are wanting from us so that we can provide a better experience for them. Great, great. So where's the, where's the line? I mean, because I'm just going through this myself uh, in my own leadership of um, where does technology become more of a hindrance to communication and stop being, uh, you know, because I think from a company perspective or from a leadership perspective, technology makes things easy. Uh, you can automate things, you can schedule things. But there's a point, I think, where you lose connectivity with your people if you're not live, if you're not interacting with them in personal ways. So where does that line, where do you find that line in terms of communication? Is there a line or it's really on an individual basis? No, there there is. But again, I think you there's the technology also allows us to have that interactivity and COVID has demonstrated that more than any other time because we can have, you know, we're on Zoom, we're in different cities at the moment and we're mm. looking at each other through the video technology that mm. wasn't even really around five years ago. Um, Facebook has so many features to allow you to be interactive. So does Instagram, so does um so, so do all the other social media channels mm. um and so and even you can have telephone webinars over the phone or there's so many ways that you can engage with people mm. today that make that that the technology allows mm. um and to give you an example one of my clients is the ceo of a bank and when covid happened he said okay how am i going to reach people we we're still building our online platform and we can't use, we've got too many people for the video technology part of that to really work effectively at the moment. Yeah. So what can we do? And I said, well, what about telephone? And so he had just group telephone meetings or mm. I guess interactive um, conversations using webinar over the phone only. And it worked mm. incredibly well. And okay. it you know, they had a process put in place for people to ask him questions beforehand, but also for people to ask questions throughout it mm. um, so that they weren't constantly interrupting with 150 people on each call. Yeah. And it worked really, really well. And the feedback that he got just blew him away because he was a skeptic of it working, yeah. but because he'd never done it before. But um, it was just, it had so much impact and it brought him and his staff so much closer together 
um, and it also had the it it also achieved his need of allaying their fear around whether their jobs were secure, whether the bank was safe, whether um, you know what they needed to do in order to be physically safe, but also mm. mentally safe if they were in a home environment that might not have been good for them. So okay. you, sometimes you have to work with what you've got, but sometimes mm. you have to also think a little bit not just outside the box, but across multiple boxes. So, and sometimes you've got to do different things for different people and just accept that that's what you need to do. If the message you want to impart is important enough and you genuinely want those people to hear it and to act upon it, then sometimes you need to do things in multiple different ways. Isn't it funny that we have to have that conversation? Because only 10 years ago when I was in the corporate sector, uh, conference calls were the norm, um, how you connected offices and how you had meetings across sites. And and now we actually have to discuss whether we should use the phone to communicate in those modes anymore. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, I guess in some ways it's uh, the, the multitude of technology that we've got available to us is, is both a blessing and a curse. And we've just got to be really careful we don't misuse it. Uh, in the exactly. process of, yeah. And it can be really difficult to decide. It can be really difficult to work out where mm. to focus. You know, I say to my clients, pick one or two or three. And, you mm. know, one, once you worked out who your different segments are and what it, what they like, how they like to be communicated with, yeah. um, then, you know, that, that, that gives you so much more knowledge and knowledge is power and in communication that's critical. So the more you know about the target markets or the audiences that you're wanting to reach, the more you can make an informed decision about which communication channels to use. And I remember um, one of another one of my clients was producing their own association and they were sending out hard copy newsletters every quarter at huge expense. And um, and they did a bit of research and found out that there were only 10 members who actually really wanted the hard copy newsletter. Everybody mm. else was happy to have an electronic copy or to go to the website to get mm. the information they needed. Um, and so they still did the hard co- the, the quarterly newsletters, but they did them electronically except for these 10 members where they just mm. went down to... Um, you know, snap printing or somewhere and had 10 copies printed off and they put the 10, those 10 copies in 10 envelopes and mailed them to those 10 members. Wow. So it saved them, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of the year because they were no longer having to print and mail out a thousand copies of their magazine, which 990 people didn't really want. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? And it shows mm. how important it is to know your demographic in my consulting business. I work a lot with schools and I've, I've tried all modes of communication mm. from Facebook ads through to emails and hard direct mail is the most successful way of communicating with schools. And yep. so I still yep. send out thousands of letters every quarter uh, mm. because that's the mode that schools prefer. Whereas like you yep. say, in another demographic, the email is going to be a preferred way of communicating. So, yeah, so exactly. let's talk about, uh, take it one step further. We understand the modes of communication, but what about the whole idea of communicating with connection and empathy and consistency? What, why is that important? Why does it matter to have empathy when you communicate? If you don't show empathy, then people will think you just don't care. And it depends, again, it depends on the message that you have to impart. Um, if you've got to impart 
if you if your messages are going to directly impact the people that you're imparting them to so for example a lot of messages around covid if they weren't delivered with empathy then it would be really easy for you to think that your boss or your organization just didn't care Um, and so showing concern and showing that level of you know compassion and empathy when things happen is Mm. quite critical particularly you know if you're working in an organization where you're um where you do a lot of work with the general public for example Mm. so say you're selling um say you're selling a product say you're selling something that people buy on a regular basis or a service that people use on a regular basis for example um you're a bank or you're a telco or you sell eggs or you you know um sell groceries of some sort and people have a bad experience and they complain to you if you don't know how to demonstrate empathy in the handling of that complaint then there's a really good chance that that complaint is going to be shared on social media somewhere on twitter or on facebook or on instagram Mm -hmm. and depending on who it is that shares that complaint there's a risk it could go viral which means that it could have quite significant damage to your brand, do quite significant damage to your brand. Mm -hmm. So that's just one example of why empathy is important. The other reason, the other time it's important is when you're communicating with your staff, Mm -hmm. you know, change is inevitable in business today. So if you're communicating about a change process that's happening or something that has happened and you don't have the right amount of empathy, then Mm -hmm. again, people are going to think you don't care and they're not Mm -hmm. going to want to do their best work for you. Um, And a couple of really good examples of when the empathy and the appropriate responses weren't there. Um, There was a musician years ago in the US who flew with, um, um, which airline did he fly with? He flew with, um, I think it was Delta Air, Delta Air, and they broke his guitar. And mm. he, he spent nine months trying to get them to fix his guitar and mm. they didn't even bother. Oh, they got back to him, but they offered him some paltry amount mm. for a $1,500 guitar. Um, and so he wrote a song about it. And mm. that song within about a week had something like 5 million views on YouTube. Right. So then they went to him and said, can you take it down? We'll fix your guitar. And he's like, too late. <laughs> He's written two more songs about it since then. And there's something like a hundred million views of these three songs. So because they didn't show empathy and caring when he lodged a complaint and said, can you fix my guitar Um, or pay for me to get it fixed? Because I watched your, your baggage handlers mishandling it um, after you forced me to put it into the hold rather than taking Mm. it on the plane. Mm. So think about what is it you do and how do you deal with that? And the other time I think it's really important um, is something happens to your staff, whether Mm. individually or collectively, and you don't deal with that with empathy, then again, people aren't going to want to work with you or do their Mm. best work for you because people do business with people they know, love and trust. And one way to get people to know, love and trust you is to communicate with empathy. Yeah. So is that, are we employing empathy for the sake of mitigating fallout or is there a, a, a deeper reason for empathy that translates into more effective leadership um, for us, for our teams and for the, our clients? So let's think about leaders who we feel positively towards mm. um, and 
you know, have a think about who are some leaders in your world, whether they're public figures or in your family or in your place of work, mm. and think about how much empathy do they appear to show. Um, and, you know, I don't... I'm going to bring politics into this, okay. but think about how much empathy did Donald Trump appear to have? Sure. And how did we feel towards that? Mm. How much empathy does Scott Morrison seem to have? And mm. how do we feel about that? How much empathy does Jacinda Ardern seem to have? And how do we mm. feel about that? So think through, and they're just, they're obviously really high profile examples, mm. but, you know, think about it in your organisation when things go wrong and you need to go and talk to your boss about a difficult conversation, A, would you? And B, if you do, how nervous will you be? And C, when you do, how do they respond? Do they care or do they not? Mm. And so empathy is just, it, it's one of those things that I think you don't often recognise it when you see it, but you definitely notice when it's not there. Yeah, so true, so true. Mm. So I, I guess it, you've probably already answered the question, but, you know, you talk about connecting with your audience and mm. empathy obviously plays a, a large part in how to connect with your audience. Are, are there some other ways that we can ensure that we are connecting fully and effectively with our audience? Yeah, com communicating with clarity. You know, don't use jargon unnecessarily. Don't use language that your audience might not understand. I'll never forget years ago, I had Microsoft as a client and I walked into my first meeting with them. It was two hours. I filled pages and pages with notes. And at the end of the meeting, the man who was chairing the meeting said, does anyone have any questions? And I said, yeah, I do. And I spent the next 10 minutes saying, what do all these acronyms mean? I didn't understand mm. the majority of that meeting. And at no point did I feel that I could put my hand up and say, what are you saying? Mm. Um, and so, uh, and, and so that what they were saying just wasn't clear. So mm. think about how is it that you communicate with clarity? Do you, what words do you use? Mm. If you, if you're communicating something that's complicated, can you say, it's like this. Can you use a metaphor? Can you use um, a story to describe it better? Can you back it up with data if necessary? Can yeah. you um, use? Can you have encourage active listening so that you can say to the person, "Do you understand what I'm saying? Can mm. you repeat back to me what I'm saying in ways that don't make them feel small and stupid?" So, how do you ensure that people get it? Um, and then the third thing is how do you how are you how are you communicating consistently mm. and by consistently I mean how are you reiterating that message in multiple different ways using multiple different types of language on multiple mm. different through multiple different channels so that the person hears it frequently and in different ways so that the message sinks in um, and then also um, with consistency don't just communicate something once if it's important. One of my clients during COVID, I said to him, you're coming back into the office now. How do your staff feel about that? And he said, oh, yeah, they're fine. They're all looking forward to it. And I said, oh, when did you ask them? He said, I asked them a month ago and they were all looking forward to it. And I said, well, there's been a few developments since <laughs> in the last month. Maybe you should ask them again. 
Um, mm. And, you know, just reiterate to them that it is a safe place to work and that you are providing parking spaces and that they will all be socially distanced in the office. And, mm. and he said, oh, what do you mean? And I said, well, you need to tell people important things more than once. And he said, oh, I never even thought about that. So sometimes many, we think just because How many we times what's the rule of thumb? Sorry for oh, cutting you think, off there. No, no, no. I think it, it used to be seven, I think. But yeah. I, I think now we're so bombarded with messages that I reckon yeah. it's probably got to be closer to 20 or 25. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, think about, well, the, the, I'll give you my morning. I woke up this morning um, I looked at my phone and I looked at Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and the Super Bowl was on. So I turned on the TV and I mm. was watching the Super Bowl on one hand, reading the weekend papers that I didn't finish looking at and looking at my phone. And so mm. three different types of messaging was all bombarding me in different ways. Mm. Um, and the only reason there wasn't the fourth of my husband is because he'd gone to work. So, mm. <laughs> so we multitask and we multi-screen every time, like mm. every day. So you really need to make sure your messages get cut through. Um, yeah. And, you know, I can't tell you what any of the ads were that I saw on TV while I was watching the Super Bowl this morning. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, and, you know, oh, I can tell you actually, I saw, oh, what was the ad that I watched? No, I can't even remember. I watched, yes, I can. I watched an ad on YouTube for um, Dine and Dash or Dash Dine or whatever the mm. American version of, of Uber Eats is. Yeah. And it had um, the guy from Hamilton and Sesame Street cast right. talking about how when you use their service, you should be buying products from or ordering from your local businesses in your neighborhood. Um, right. And I loved it but I can't remember the name of the brand or the company mm. because it's not one we have here. And even though I know who they are, I've, it, it didn't cut through that much. It was yeah. all Sesame Street for me and the catchy <laughs> song of In the Neighbourhood. Yeah. So, so, you know, think, try to think about what was the last ad you saw? Yeah. Uh, what was an ad you might have seen on social media or on TV or heard on the radio or seen in print in the last hour? Because you would have seen many, 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 I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, how do you remember them? So we're wired to remember things that are top of mind for us. Yeah. So our, yeah. we, um, <laughs> we were looking to buy a new car a couple of years ago and we decided we'd buy a Mazda and every single car we saw on the road then was a Mazda. Amazing, it wasn't, yeah. but they were the ones we noticed because that's yeah. what we were looking to buy. So think about, you know, what is it you, what's important to you right now? They're the things mm. you'll remember. So you need to work out how do you make what your messaging is for your audience important to them right now. Yeah. And I mean, I just thinking about advertising, I uh, noticed a couple of months ago that every time I turned on the radio, the talkback radio, there's this ad for automated uh, insect um, hmm. re repellent. And, um, you know, after a while I got sick of the ad, I thought they, these guys just advertise every day, several times a day. But then a month later, my wife was complaining about the flies in the kitchen. And what was the first thing that came to my mind? Oh, we should get one of these automated uh, insect repellents. And sure enough, we bought it and we got four of them. So, yeah, you're right. It's just you've got to, we're so bombarded and advertisers understand this. And I think if leaders want their message to cut through the noise of everyday life, they need to be prepared to uh be consistent and repeat their messaging yeah. in a clear, clear way. Yeah.
But also think about things too, like when you're doing a, a staff presentation or if you're doing something on Zoom or if you're, you know, um, have a stage to speak at, how do you, what are you using then as props? So yeah. are you using PowerPoint or are you using a flip chart or a whiteboard or holding things up for people to see? How is it that you're helping people focus on you rather than on all of the distractions around you? Yeah. So good. That's great. That's great advice there, Mel. And um, so I guess moving from that a little bit more is uh, what about using communication in the context of relationship? So whether it's the interpersonal work relationships or whether it's relationships with your spouse or your children, how do we more effectively communicate at a relational level? Because that is really crucial to effective leadership. And what are some of the things we can do to enhance our communication in relationship? I think there's two really important things that we need to do, or there's three. The first is we need to really be present in the moment when someone's trying to talk to us. Um, And this is obviously if we're on the phone or if we're having a conversation in face-to-face or over a Zoom, be in the moment with that person and give your attention to that person at that time. Don't try to multitask, like don't be on the phone and scrolling through Facebook because the person who's talking to you might be a bit boring. Um, Don't be, you know, having the TV on in the background while your partner wants to have a conversation with you about something to do with anything, whether it's what to have for dinner or whether it's something important to do with one of your kids. Mm. Just, you know, really physically turn your attention to that person Mm. and just when it comes to that, if somebody wants to talk to you about something serious where you really need to turn your attention on mm. and you're distracted by something else, mm. tell them that. Say to them, I'd love to talk to you about this, but now's not a good time. Can I finish what I'm doing and mm. get back? Can we make a time to talk in five minutes, in 10 minutes, in a week, in, you know, in a day? at a time that works so that you can then give them your full attention. And I promise you, if you say to people, I want to give my full attention to this and I don't have that brain capacity right now to do it, Mm. they will appreciate that so much more than you being there but not really being present. Yeah, that's such good advice there Mm. because uh, so often I think for the fear of uh, offending people or making them feel rejected, we'll we'll listen or try to listen when we've got other things on our mind and we never really hear them and it ends up compounding the problem rather than being a solution. And I know I can't be the only person who has a husband who decides to download his entire day, all the drama and ask for advice when I'm in bed, when we're both in bed and I'm five seconds away from being asleep. He's like, let's have a chat. And I'm like, seriously, we've had dinner together and you couldn't have asked me. We could have turned off the TV so that we could have had this conversation. Mm. (laughs) After I've crawled into bed, it's not the right time. (laughs) That's so good. And one of the things that I've learned, because I teach a course on uh, educating boys for for school teachers and uh, just the different ways in which uh, men and women communicate. And, uh, you know, with my wife, she knows that if I'm working and she wants to talk to me, she has to ask me to stop doing Mm. what I'm doing. You know, can you just not type on your laptop for one minute? Because I will nod my head and I will say yes, but I'm not actually paying attention to anything she's saying. And, uh, you know, just having understanding those differences in the way individuals communicate can make such Mm. a 
such a profound difference. Or, you know, when my Absolutely. wife wants to talk to me, trying to find out if she's uh, looking for a solution or whether she's just sharing her feelings because they require two different responses from me. Oh my and, God. Yes. I feel like know, that should be a mandatory question. Do you just want me to listen or do you want me to right. give you a solution or, or do you want me to give you advice? Yeah. Because the answer, that's relationship saving that question. Uh, so good. <laughs> and that's really with men, men don't talk until they uh, actually want advice. So they'll process internally. Whereas women tend to talk because they're searching for a solution. And so, so often men want to offer a solution, you know, because they think, oh, you're asking for advice and yeah. uh, it can, it can be fraught with danger in that regard, for sure. Yeah, uh, very any, much any other tips that you want to share about relationships there? Oh, um, the other thing I think is just be there, just listen, like yeah. learn how to listen and learn how to observe mm. um, and learn how to ask questions because asking, listening and observing is so such an integral part of communication that so many people forget about. Um, and, you know, it's easy to hear things but not really listen and it's mm. easy to see people on face value and not really observe. Uh, and the same with um, um, asking questions, you know, ask questions that have meaning and where you genuinely want to listen to the answer. Mm. I, I love um, surprising people when they say to me, how are you? And they just expect a one word response of either I'm mm. really busy or I'm fine. And I launch into different language and different yeah. words. And sometimes I describe exactly how I am, whether it's good, bad or ugly. And you can tell they actually didn't want that response. They wanted <laughs> a one word response. So, yeah. you know, think carefully about what you ask as well. Yeah, and learn so to true. ask questions learn to ask questions that will elicit an honest response mm. if that's what you want yeah and I, if you're going to ask somebody how they are make sure you actually want to know i remember asking uh, somebody asking me that question and i was having a bad day and i said well actually i'm not going great and i started talking about it and they said i oh, mm. actually i didn't want to know about what was going on in your life i was just saying hi mm. And I think yeah. in Australia, especially, we use how are you as a greeting rather than a genuine inquiry of somebody's well-being. And uh, yeah, we that, can, that yeah. can be pretty I'd love that to change. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be great, wouldn't yeah. it? There's an interesting yeah, study right. done in a school in Canada where they talk to teachers about um, engaging with students in meaningful ways. And what they did was they got teachers to um, communicate with students by name. So if they pass them in the hallway, hi, Johnny, how are you, but then stop and wait for the answer. And these interactions only lasted about a minute, but they found there was an 80% reduction in low-level disruptive behaviour in the class when teachers took an interest in the students at a genuine level. Isn't that so that, powerful? That is just so incredible. That reminds me of my first day of high school. Um, I went to a Catholic girls' school in Gosford on the New South Wales Central Coast. And first day in, Sister Mari, who was the principal, greeted every single girl by name. And there wow. were, I think there were 140 of us. And yeah. we had never met her. She'd never met the majority of us. But we had to submit an application with uh, a photo. And she yeah. studied all of those. And she Amazing. got she knew all of us who we were and something about us as well. I think we mm. had to talk about what we were looking forward to about going to the school or what our interests were. And so she asked every single one of us a personal question after greeting us by name. And she only got two wrong and they were identical twins. Yeah. And um, yeah. she got them mixed up. 
and she was so horrified and the mother of the twins said to her don't worry their father can't tell them apart when they're not together either <laughs> wow that's impressive that's really but impressive. because of that because of that she was beloved our entire school community absolutely adored her and she left at the end of my year nine and so we had I had one more year at that school with another headmistress who was just awful in comparison Mm -hmm. and I'm sure she wasn't but she was never gonna whoever got that job was never going to be as great as Sister Murray Um, and because she just she made everybody feel like, well, as I spoke before about being present when you're with people, yes. she made you feel like you were the most important person in her world when she yes. was talking to you. And there's not a lot of people who can do that or who it's make so, the effort to do that. It's so powerful when you, when you yeah. can take a genuine interest in people. I remember, I mean, while we're telling high school stories, I remember when I was in high school, we had a principal who would regularly walk around the schoolyard, say hello to people. I mean, we were in a big school. It was 1,500 people. He didn't know everybody by name, but he took a genuine interest in everybody as he would walk around. You'd always see him at the beginning of the day. And then he was moved out of our high school and replaced by another principal. And we had a walkout of our classes in protest of losing this principal. This is a school of 1500. They all went out onto the oval and had a sit in and said, we want our old principal back. And the news came in and it was a big day, but just the power of one man who took the time to just engage with students in a meaningful way. It was just quite incredible to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I had a boss like that a few years ago when I was in government, I worked, um, in a, in a division that had, I don't know, 150 staff and the man who headed up the unit, we just, he, he just, he oozed empathy and he mm. oozed love. And the job that most of us had was really difficult. We copped a lot of flack from the public for what we mm. did and a lot of flack from the industry in which we worked in. And this man, Wayne, just led us with grace And he was acting in the job and didn't get it permanently. And when he told us that, he was crying and almost everybody in the room was crying, including hard-nosed investigators who I don't think they even knew what a tear was. Mm. Um, And that was the degree of impact that he had on our workplace Mm. in the six months that he had been there. And, yeah, it was just heartbreaking when he left. Yeah, that's always tough when those sort of things happen, but it's a a powerful lesson on how important it is to uh, build positive, mutually respectful relationships with the people that you lead and and really take the time to know them and connect with them in meaningful ways. That's just such good advice, Mel. Now, you've got a book called The Social Association. Why don't you tell us about your book? Because I think it's uh, got some interesting keys for leaders who are looking to connect with their audiences more effectively. Yeah, thanks, Taryn. So my book, as you said, is called The Social Association. I wrote it a couple of years ago. I do a lot of work with associations and um, for-purpose organisations. And so this book was uh, partly as a bit of a love letter because I love that industry and no one ever writes anything for them. But it's about, it talks through the five key skills that those types of organisations and everybody really needs to be able to create online communities that thrive. So we talk about um, how do you be how are you strategic what does it mean to create a strategy and to think strategically 
what do you need to do from a creative perspective? How can you be creative at work and with your communication? Um, how do you, what time-saving things do you need to know? What numbers do you need to know? What metrics do you need to know? Okay. So um, it's definitely not a, this is how you use Facebook, but yeah. I will go through with you how you can work out whether Facebook is the right tool for you to be considering. So what, why is it important for not-for-profits to, or, you know, associations to actually engage at a, at a social level with social media? What's, what's going to be the advantage for them other than, I guess, the obvious? It's critical for anybody in business, I believe, mm. to have a social media or an online presence because nobody goes to the yellow pages anymore to find people to do business with. Yeah. It's all about Google. And nearly every social media channel has a relationship with Google. So, you know, if you Google my name, Mel Kettle, you'll see my Twitter account, my Instagram account, my Facebook account and my LinkedIn account. And you'll probably also find a very unused Pinterest and YouTube account as well, as well as my website, as well as all the other times my name has been mentioned online. Um, And that's what people do. So if you're looking, if you're, wanting to have attract new members or new customers or new staff one of the first things that any of anybody who you're looking to attract will do is google your organizational name mm-hmm. and often google the name of the ceo or some of the senior exec or the person who they're going to a job interview with so the more you can have an online presence that demonstrates social proof that you're a good person and that demonstrates your expertise and where appropriate your thought leadership, mm-hmm. then that is going to help people find something that they want or need or value or have in common with you, which will help create that link of connection because yeah. people do business with people they know, love and trust, as I've said earlier. And one great way for people to know you, love you and trust you is to feel that there's a bond between the two of you. Um, And whether that's you both like to cook, you both have birthdays in February, um, you know, you wear glasses, you've both Mm. got red hair, you know, there's a connection or a bond that people often don't even realise that they're forming that will help them want to work with you, do business with you or donate to you. Mm. And so if you don't have an online presence, you are missing opportunities all over the place. Great. What are some, uh, without giving the book away, what are some tips that you can give us today about um, making your social presence more effective as an association? So have a strategy and have a social media strategy that forms a part of your communication strategy, which is related to your overall business strategy and um, business and operational strategy. So everything you do on social media needs to help you achieve your organizational and strategic goals, because if it doesn't help you move towards those, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Um, the other thing I talk a lot about is work out, like I'm a big fan of Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. So when you know your goals, you can work out what is it I need to do to get there? What content do people want from me? What information is it that people need from me? And create a really simple content calendar where you just get um, a whiteboard or an A4 piece of paper or an Excel spreadsheet and map out 12 months of the year, 12 blocks for 12 months of the year, 
work out what are the key things and the key activities or the key messages that you need to impart in each of those 12 months. Right. And then drill further down, what kind of content can I create for that? Hmm. And then the third thing is um, don't forget video and audio and think about how do you create one piece of really good content and leverage it, use yeah. it across, reuse it, repurpose it, so, for example, with this podcast that we're doing, I'm going to um, take a screenshot. I'm going to share that on some socials to say I've done this. I'll right. promote it when it comes out through my socials. But I'm also mm. going to, if you don't transcribe it, then I'm going to transcribe my bit mm. so that because I've said some great things that I thought I must remember that for later. Um, yeah. So yeah. then I can turn it into an article or I can turn right. it into a few right. social media posts or I can create another video just with me talking on some of these on these mm. points and elaborating on them. So, you know, I'm a big believer in think once, use often. Yeah, and great. Social I love media that. allows you to do that. Yeah, that's so good. And and you you've hit it on the head with repurposing what you've got. I mean, I do that with my uh, my channels where I record straight to camera for my videos. Then I turn it into a blog. Then I turn it into quotes that go up as well. And so there are so many different ways that you can use your content and repurpose it and like you say uh it's everybody prefers a different channel and so i'm using that content in different ways i'm sending an email newsletter i'm using social media facebook instagram youtube and everybody who's connecting are coming from different channels they're not all sitting on the same channel so yeah it's exactly. great advice and, there mel yeah and, my, and i find the same you know i use um i love twitter i use instagram linkedin facebook a little bit a newsletter um, mm. podcasting I'm getting a bit more into YouTube this year and I know that there'll be a few people who might see me on two or three of those channels but nobody will be across all of them mm, and exactly. demogra the demographic data of who uses each channel shows us that the users are really different it yeah. shows us that on YouTube it's mostly men between the ages of 20 and 35 it shows us yeah. that on Facebook it's tends to be people over the age of 40 barely even spread between men and women with a big growing demographic push for women over the age of 60. So, yeah. you know, the more you know about how each channel works and interlink that with who your target audience is, then the better off you'll be. Yeah, so good. That's awesome. Mel, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. If people want to get in contact with you or maybe purchase your book, how can they reach you? Uh, all through my website, melkettle.com. Um, my email is mel at melkettle.com and I'm on most all the socials at melkettle. So I'm quite easy to Great. find. Google my name and I own the first three or four pages of Google with my stuff. Awesome. awesome. Well, yeah. we're going to put those links in the description for anybody that wants to uh, get a hold of Mel's book or check out her other work. Mel, thank you so much for joining us today on the Turin Stevenson Leadership Podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've loved every minute of it as well. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you got a ton of value out of that episode. Don't forget to let us know what you thought in the comments. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover next time, we'd love to hear from you. If you know anyone that would benefit from the content that we produce, please like and share this channel. And we look forward to having you next time on the Tarun Stevenson Leadership Channel.